This is the First and 30 Podcast, the podcast that brings you the cliff notes of all the NFL news and notes without all the bullshit. Today is Saturday, February 26th, 2022. It's been a while since we were able to get together, and uh, we're still not all together because Keith's dealing with a sore throat tonight, so it's just Drew and I on the line. Drew, how you doing tonight? What's going on? Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm excited to, uh, to, to do a little podcast of the season wrap-up out. The Super Bowl is over, and uh, enjoy spending some time with you and, and talking ball here. It's going to be uh, an interesting episode, to say the least. Yes, it will be interesting. Um, it's it's weird. You know, we got get so used to doing the three-person pod, and then, you know, we tried to throw in the wrinkle of you coming over and doing this from a podcast studio and now we're going to be trying to do this uh you know you and i two people so yeah we'll we'll fumble through it we'll have fun it's always good to get to talk to you and talk about football and uh it feels like it's been forever since we were together talking football even though it was only what you know two weeks ago two weeks ago it seems like a month ago at this point so um yeah we're going to rehash rams Bengals. Um, and we'll kind of rehash the season also. We'll, we'll go over some of the uh, season awards and talk about that. Um, and then we're going to take a little look at the you know 2022-2023 futures on the Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably just wrap it at that. So we're going to get started, and we're going to recap the Super Bowl right after this. Bounce. If you got my fucking back, then just say, Hell yeah. You're down with me and my team. Okay, so the Super Bowl. Um, you know, all in all, the Rams winning. Uh, this was one of the weirder Super Bowls I think uh, I had seen in a while, just because, and I think you would feel the same way, Drew. I mean, it's been such a long time we haven't had Brady, Manning, or, uh, you know, other quarterbacks involved. Like, I think Roethlisberger was in that as well as far as it's been, it was the first Super Bowl in forever where one of those dudes wasn't involved in Mahomes. I, I don't know. It just seems like this is the first time we saw some new new blood in there. And I didn't really have a, you know, a loyalty, loyalty either direction, which was a weird way to watch it because usually I'm really hard pulling for an underdog. But, you know, I think Stafford it was a good story. And then the Bengals you know, we're a fun underdog. So it was a weird, weird way to watch the Super Bowl. And I thought the Super Bowl as a whole was kind of weird. Drew, what were your thoughts on the game itself? Yeah, I kind of second that that thought of yours there, um, especially as a Patriots fan and a Tom Brady fan. I especially felt weird not not seeing him in there. Um, I didn't have a dog in this fight either, uh, which made it less stressful to oh, watch, for sure. which I didn't like. I, I honestly, I, I, I didn't think I would be saying this, but... I kind of like the stress. Um, yeah, I, it, it's I agree. a totally different feeling when you do have a dog in the fight, and for a first time in a while, um, I, I just didn't. And typically, I watch the Super Bowl if Tom Brady's playing like by myself. It's like a whole ritual. But mm-hmm. obviously, I was with you, and we had a little shindig, and it was just a totally different vibe all the way around. And I, yeah. I thought the game itself had a nice pace to it. I thought it was predictable. And how the outcome was going to be, mm-hmm. I just felt like the Bengals' season in general was so magical. I just didn't feel like they could they could really, I don't know, top it off. It, it just yeah. seemed like too far out of reach because of how unbelievable their season was to begin with. Because nobody had them in the Super Bowl this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, no, it huge. was gonna it was gonna be anybody but them. Yeah, crazy um, odds for them to get there. Yeah, just so, yeah, it's just crazy odds. So I um. I, I just felt that the game went the way I thought it would go, and the Rams um, seemed to have this momentum building since they beat uh, the Bucks in Week Three. It just seemed like maybe this was their year, and it turned out to be that. I mean, they made so many moves throughout the off season and during the season, and even Cam Akers coming back seemed like a fucking miracle yeah. in itself. And it just seemed like the whole thing. Uh, before it even started, before it even kicked off the ground, that it was going to be the Rams' night. And I felt from the get-go that Joe Burrow being sacked nine times the game before was really going to be under duress with Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Yeah. And it turns out he was. It, it wasn't nine sacks, but he definitely was under duress. And it really 
bit them at the end of the game when mm-hmm. they needed a play. Yep. Um, so it's just their line is not compatible with the Rams, who are just very dominant up, up front. But they did get better this year, and that's why I think we saw the Bengals make that jump from where they were last year to this year getting to the Super Bowl. It's like they did sure up some things on, the, on that front line and give Burrow some time. And obviously Burrow got more experience this in his second year and felt more comfortable. And then obviously Jamar Chase coming on board really helped things. That he had the most amazing rookie season we've ever seen. Yeah, uh, It's just so unbelievable to watch. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good Super Bowl. I, I, I did enjoy it. I just think, um, you know, it was – I don't want to say bland, it, but it was without drama. It yeah. just seemed like yeah. the game was just always going to be out of reach for the Bengals. Even though they hung in there – you just it just had this underlying sense that they just weren't going to mount the charge needed to win this game. Yeah, I mean, initially the game started off, it looked like it was going to be a uh, Rams blowout, which it was going that direction, and then the Odell injury changed everything. That was a huge yep. impact on the game. And, you know, from there the Bengals were able to claw their way back into it, just like they did against Kansas City. They, they had a way this season of hanging around in games, and, uh, you know, they ended up, starting the second half took the lead and then all of a sudden it looked like the Bengals were in the driver's seat and you know there just was a lot of bad football and a lot of stuff that it just wasn't super you know we weren't watching the two best teams in my opinion like for by any stretch of the imagination I don't think these were the two best teams in the NFL this year which was you know strange it it was strange so um, we had a lot of bad football but then, you know, in the end, we had a little bit of drama. Like, you know, so that made the game kind of fun, that last last drive. I, I personally feel that last pass interference call on the Bengals' middle linebacker. I don't I don't remember what his name is. But uh, that pass interference call on fourth down, I, I thought that was kind of bullshit, especially with the way uh, they were kind of letting them play that whole game. Yeah, I, I have a hard time with those calls when they when they weren't making them all all game long. Mm-hmm. See, that, that's that's the kind of the issue I have with this. If they're calling it and being consistent all game long, fine. Yeah. But when the game's on the line like that, and it was, it wasn't. It wasn't blatant. It wasn't blatant, and it's just like, how do you make that call at yeah. this point in the game? It's just so really, really, really tough, and. It reminds me of a basketball game I just watched with the or local team, uh, Columbia versus uh, Lancaster Catholic. Columbia in, in in the LL League finals, they went up for a layup, or the Catholic went up for a layup, and the girl kind of touched her, but barely touched her, and they called it with one second left, and she made the foul shots, and it was game over. And it's just like, it's just really hard to take those type of end of game penalties because you know, especially so- when it wasn't called that way the whole game. Right, exactly, yeah. and yep. there's just so much on the line, and it changes the whole outcome of the game, and it's just really hard to hard to see that. But I honestly, I didn't think Stafford played all that well. Yeah, I, I mean, he he did enough, but he had two interceptions, I believe, and it just mm-hmm. that's why he didn't get the MVP. Yeah. Um. So I and which I kind of felt coming into the game that that was going to be this, the the case. I thought Stafford, if the Rams were going to win, would play well enough but not he wouldn't light it up mm-hmm. and which you know now everybody's talking about Stafford in the Hall of Fame and I, I'm, I he's nowhere close to the Hall of Fame in my opinion just because you win one Super Bowl and he didn't even win the MVP and um, yeah I don't know I, I agree it's, I agree with that it, it, it feels like nowadays like just like Hall of Fame it seems like they almost let it, it based off of name recognition and just looking at stats like i mean he has so many there's no account for the fact that his numbers yes he has huge numbers in his career but it's because think about how many games he was playing where he was down by 30 points oh, yeah. flinging the ball yep. all over the place with the defense playing back i mean you know he's got a lot of fucking popcorn numbers in there so oh, yeah. you know the fact that 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 better be scrutinized it shouldn't just be straight up numbers like his numbers you know are impressive to cumulatively but like you know he, he's never stood out as a as the best in the league he's never you know he he's been an iron man he's been you know he's very tough and resilient at least it, it appears because he's always dealing with an injury and you know always. he's always ho- always hobbling around but he's always out there so it'll give you that but as far as like you know 
it's still I still wouldn't even say I feel confident that Matthew Stafford next year, even if with, with the same same supporting cast, I don't think uh, which they're not going to have. But even with the same supporting cast, I wouldn't say that the Rams are a lock to do anything next year based off of what I saw out of Matthew Stafford in this game. Right, I, I agree with that, and I it's weird. I remember at the end of the game, the very end of the game that it was over, you and I are like, did they just say Aaron Donald's retiring? And I'm like, <laughs> I guess I think they said that. And then all of a sudden, you know, comes later after the fact that Sean McVay was going to retire, Donald was going to retire. It's like, what the hell just happened here? Yeah. They won one Super Bowl. They're just going to call it a quit, um, which, you know, I have no feelings about that whatsoever because I'm with you. I don't think – they're an automatic lock last, uh, next year. Um, I just think they had a, a magical run in, in a sense, and they had a good defense, and Ramsey played pretty pretty well down the stretch. And yeah. um, Aaron Donald is an absolute monster, and they just they just had the Bengals ticket there. I mean, the Bengals did have a chance, and the Rams offensively played like shit in the second half. They couldn't mm-hmm. get anything going. But, I mean, Absolutely. both teams, other than that one that uh, passed to Higgins to start the half, for the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there was really there was no nothing for a yeah. lot of the second half. A lot exactly. of the second half was just you know three and out punt or you know one first down then punt or fumble or turnover. Like it was it was bad football for the you know the pretty much that last hour of football watching was probably fifty minutes of bad football with that one yeah. last drive. I agree. It's, it's really hard to put a Super Bowl together where it's like suspenseful the whole time. It just seems like the teams never play up to their potential because of the nerves and, and the anticipation of what it means to be a, a world champion in the NFL. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But it's been, you know, Patriots Super Bowls in the past and they a lot of the Patriots. And I understand but they've always always been good Super Bowls to play in, except for the Rams. That was a terrible yeah. game to watch. It was no fun. But every single Super Bowl they were in was really exciting um, for the for the most part. And um, I, we didn't really see a whole lot of that this this time around, except for that very last uh, part of the game where Stafford, you know, got it into the into the end zone and they were able to take the lead, and that was it. Um, so yeah, my. It was a fine Super Bowl. Like I, I, I enjoy watching it, but it wasn't anything to write home about. Yeah, it's not one I'm going to remember for years to come. Like, oh yeah, I remember that Rams Bengals Super Bowl. It's going to fade off into the distance, and it'll be like, kind of like I think a comparable one, even though it was not close, was like the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl for you know when they played in New York. I guess that was like six seven years ago at this point. That's not yeah. one that really stands out, or like Broncos Panthers from 2016 that one doesn't stand out as being like oh that's a great super bowl that's kind of where this one's going to fall into in my opinion just kind of like uh one of those super bowls that you know it happened we had a close close ending into the game but the best game of the playoffs and i think still i'm going to remember from this season will be chiefs chiefs bills that's that's going to be that's the game that that is the game but that's a great point to bring up um just to get off the Super Bowl maybe a little bit, is that the playoffs this year, oh, my God. Playoffs are great. Playoffs as a whole. The popcorn, baby, it was ready and it was good to go. And I was surprised at how how many games every week during the playoffs were really, really Really fun fun games games. to watch, right? Yep. Other than the the wild card round, every every weekend was wall-to-wall action. That, That divisional weekend was ridiculous. I mean... You know, obviously, it, for me, it sucked starting off with the Titans lost on that weekend. But, um, I, I mean, I was kind of uplifted a little bit just watching the quality of football the rest of that weekend. That was the best – one of the best weekends of football I can remember. And, again, my, my favorite fucking team lost to start it off, and I still felt that that was – you know, I, I remember sitting watching that uh, Bills-Chiefs game. Like, this is just – this is awesome. I, I would pay money to watch this. I would – like, literally, if the, if the NFL said – pay $200 for this game, but it's going to be awesome. I would probably do that. And I would have paid that game was everything you could have ever wanted. So yeah, to your point, going back and looking, recapping the playoffs as a whole, like the playoffs as a whole was awesome. And I felt, and I think you felt this way too. It was going to be hard for the Super Bowl to live up to that based off of the playoffs. Yeah. Well, especially after that, after that Chiefs Bills game, that, that game was just unbelievable. And it gave us all the, (laughs) <laughs> the angst and energy 
a football game could possibly give give a person. So yeah, there's no way the Super Bowl is going to live up to that. There's no way. But it was, you know, just looking back on it now and, and gaining some perspective, it was a lot of fun. It was a great season uh, recap in that or ending to the season in that fashion that we had such close, great games because. You know, years past are not always like that, and this year I will remember at just how the quality of the games and the NFL has got to be fucking happy as hell about that too because oh, sure. they put out a great product, right? So yeah, yeah it, I was I was so pleased with the playoffs this year. It's a lot of fun. I'm super sad that it's over. I gotta admit, I, yeah. I hate this part of the year. Yep. Um, it's still cold as balls up here in the north. And it's a long off season to get to August. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a long a long off season. And yet, I, I mean, you know, it, the the quality of the play all the way out. I mean, again, I, I'm not gonna remember this Super Bowl. I'm gonna be remembering these playoffs and like the Bengals Chiefs game is gonna stick in my mind forever. The the Bills Bills Chiefs game for sure. Um, you know, the the Brady Brady and the Rams game the brady's last game i mean there's a lot that's gonna i'm gonna remember for a long time from the playoffs in general and you know the season itself drug on in a way but the playoffs really made up for it like there was a time getting towards week 14 15 16 of the season where i was kind of like getting a little bit burnt out from it and and just kind of like get to the playoffs already but the playoffs totally reinvigorated me and it's great like you know to your point it's great for the nfl because they've got their nfl sunday ticket uh, contract is coming up with um, DirecTV, so there are going to be a lot of people interested in taking that from DirecTV. So the NFL is in a great negotiating point right now. Yeah, that they are, and they're uh, they've been well positioned in the market, um, all things considering. I mean, obviously, there's some things that could that can hurt their image. I s- certainly think this Brian Flores thing. Um, is is not good for the NFL if that no. comes back if that comes back to be true where the Dolphins um, were blowing games or wanted to blow games for draft picks that's just not a good look for competition standpoint yeah, or the you, NFL standpoint yeah you you always I mean the fact that you suspect that a little bit sometimes and even it makes sense to do sometimes the fact that you hear it explicitly being told by the ownership to do that if that turns out to be true yeah that's that's pretty wild for the for the league but you know um for the yeah i mean for the content on the field playoffs were awesome playoffs i thought were great uh the season itself there was some ups and downs it was a really i think in general wonky season just because so many teams were up and down throughout the season and our most consistent team the packers was a one and done in the playoffs so you know it was it was really strange from that point, and I, I think that a team like the Bengals needs to be, I think, extra upset just given the landscape of the AFC that they missed this opportunity because it's not going to be easy getting out of the AFC going forward. And so, you know, the the wonkiness of the year I thought was something I'll, I'll look back on and remember. Yeah, definitely, and um, you know, they still had to go through a lot of COVID crap. It seems like COVID doesn't exist anymore right now in the world. Yep. But throughout the season, they still had to deal with all the protocols all the time. Yeah. And players missing games and and just having to always test and and you know that that weighs on you. So I think that you know hurts the NFL's product in a sense because of. You know, it, it distracts the players from really getting down to what they need to do. But yep. it was a weird show. I mean, we watched we watched an all-time great, and I will call him an all-time great. I don't like the guy, but I'll, he's, he is absolutely great. But we watched an all-time great literally just walk off the field and quit on a team. Like, you, you just don't see – you don't see that every season. Yeah. And so and that was just one example of many where there's just some weirdness going on throughout the season. And this honestly, this was the first year – where we had an extra game, yep. and that made, it, and you would think that that there, you know, that's not nothing weird, but it did make. I think the mentality of teams throughout the season that 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 plus the COVID piece, like teams had to shuffle lineups so much, and they oh, yeah. almost seemed to play with the fact that they were like, well, there's an extra game we can kind of afford to punt a game or here or there. Like it almost seemed like that was kind of going into things. It, it was it was it was a a weird season that never seemed to really. Again, other than the Packers, which we were on them for the regular season as being the most consistent, and they ended up doing what they typically do, which is faltering in the postseason. But um, 
you know, there were there really other than them, there really weren't any other teams that seemed like you could really hold you know hold your hat on them and say that that team is good. And that that was what it was almost weird having that this season because it's like you don't know who to trust. And I wonder if that's going to change next season because as much to your point, Drew, as as far as like being invested in games, that Super Bowl, I think I would have been much more invested if one if if the Rams were a dominant team. And, you know, and I didn't have any love for either of the teams. I would have definitely been rooting Bengals hard and would have been much more invested in that game if the Rams truly were that super team and were like unstoppable. But they weren't. So and I think that's a product of the season and that kind of impacted the Super Bowl. That's a very good point, um, because, yeah, the Rams, I mean, they almost blew a huge lead to Tom Brady um, and they almost lost that game. They probably almost should have, you know. They were just had their heads on the defense had their heads on straight there, but um, in that sense, that's a great point because you didn't feel like any of these teams were completely dominant. Even the Buccaneers, who yeah. we thought would be dominant this year after what they did last year, really weren't. They staggered mm-hmm. a lot. It yeah. seemed like they had some internal uh, issues going on all over the place, and I think probably one of the reasons it led to Brady's retirement. I, I mean, yeah. obviously, family is going to play a huge part of that, but. I think Tom, who is meticulous in his preparation, got the shits of like kind of let's just wing it here in a sense because mm-hmm. you got you got the feeling, you know, that there was some internal strife going on with the Buccaneers organization, and it led to them not being dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Arizona look completely dominant and then fall off the complete face of the earth, losing to Detroit. Not yep. only losing to Detroit, but getting smacked by Detroit. Mm-hmm who played hard all year round, uh, all year long, I should say, not round, but um, which was a surprise, I think, to most of us, how many games Detroit actually covered. Mm-hmm. Like, they only, they out of two games, they didn't cover two times. I mean, that's nuts for a, for a shitty team that's won one game. I, I, I like um, the direction they're heading, actually, to be honest. I, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's really great. Um, and then, you, you know, now we're going to have – Another issue in a sense where we have all this off-season movement between coaches. Yeah. I mean, we had six vacancies in coaches uh, already, and that's going to look different next year. So, And the draft coming up, you know, I'm not excited about it. There's mm-hmm. no – besides Kenny Pickett, uh, I'm, there's no quarterbacks that I'm like, oh, man, they're going to really, you know, help a team out and it's going to completely catapult them. It's not like – Joe Burrow is going to the Bengals again. You know, that was a, a big-time move that we all thought would work out in a sense that they would get increasingly better right away, and they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see that happening this season, uh, or the offseason, I should say, where I where teams are just going to immediately get so good that the odd makers are going to put them in contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see that. I don't know about you. but No. Yeah, I, I don't see that at all, and – I mean, so yeah, going like still going back to last year's season, you know, all of those factors are impacting, you know, this off season. And I think, you know, as you pointed out, the the fact that the you know new first time they have an eighteen game season plus the lagging COVID stuff, which, like you said, all of a sudden it was like week eighteen, seventeen, or sixteen where they just stopped testing players entirely, and that completely changed any, everything. But. Yep. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting going forward to see if any of these teams can become dominant. I mean, because there was times during the season where certain teams looked looked hot and then just, you know, like you said, with Arizona, they stumbled. Um, you know, it, the Patriots looked like a dominant force for a while. They fell off the face of the earth near the end of the season. The Bills at times looked fantastic, and other times it, you were, they lost the Jaguars. I, I mean, there was so much parity which is ultimately what the NFL always seems to be put striving for they're they're trying to get that parity which you know as we already discussed that is good for getting more team bases excited but it's bad if you for a casual fan to be honest i think with the, with that level of parity cuz there's not a bad guy to root root against you know what i mean which galvanizes a lot of people um, well, that so, and the and the increasing support for online betting Yep. When you have that kind of parody is fucked up because it's it's really hard to pinpoint. It's really a gamble. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it becomes a real gamble at that point, you know. And so, 
maybe not so good in that point, but it it was weird. I remember many weeks in this last season, I'm like, what? The Texans just beat the Titans? What the hell? Yeah. Like I just a lot of there's a lot of games um, that we would come on the pod and we pick or make our picks, and like the next day, I'm I'm just absolutely shell shocked by some of the losses some of these teams took. Yeah. So we did have a wonky season in, in in that regard where it was just so hard to pinpoint and pick these games. Yeah, I mean, we were at a point, you know, week five or six, we were talking about the Chiefs, at least I was for sure, talking about, I thought, I didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs. I, I mean, they yeah. were two and four and they got their shit pushed in by the Titans. And, you know, they looked like hell and then they ended up, you know, getting to the championship game. I, You know, it, it was such a weird season. You look back to the beginning of the season and, you know, the Browns Chiefs game that first week of the season where it was like, oh man, the Browns are here. The Browns had absolutely, absolutely completely unraveled. You know, it's so wild to think where we came in this season. And, you know, it, it was the first time in a very, very, very long time where you, where there was not some team that was dominant. There was not something to root against. It was just like absolute chaos you know and it affected the betting it affected making picks i mean all of the all of the pro uh handicappers and all that stuff you know there was nobody who was really knocking it out of the park this year like you know averages were much lower than years past as far as like you know predicting games correctly and it was it was a a madhouse and i i, I don't know if they're taking the covid restrictions away if that's going to change any of it next year so I don't know, but it. All of that to be said, I am it, all of the warts that may have been in the season. I miss it already, and it's like, oh yeah, you know this. Last Sunday without football was so weird, and you know tomorrow it kind like the one thing it does kind of do is it gives you a day where you know Sunday is for me. Wake up at eleven, and the, you know I'm on my couch by eleven, and I don't move until the end of the day. I'm watching football mm-hmm. all day, so it's a day long commitment. I don't have anything else. Like every Sunday, that's what's happening. So the one kind of uh, silver lining with football being gone is it can be a little bit more productive on the weekends. Yeah, no doubt. And, I, you know, I'm the same way. It's like, well, there's a reason football's on Sunday, the day of rest. They want us to sit our asses down on this couch yep. and just watch TV. So yep. it did force us to do that uh, for most of the weeks. But, uh, I mean – the silver lining, I guess, now is we get college basketball, and you, yep. you know it's not football, but it's it can be fun. I mean, if you can get yourself into it, it can yep. be really fun. And basketball, it's not as exciting to watch on TV as being there. I rather I would rather watch basketball in person than watch it on TV, and I'd rather I watch football on TV rather than being there in person. Totally, totally. <laughs> so agree. it's kind of kind of weird in that in that respect, but yeah. You know, you get through March Madness and the, and the action is really good, and then it's just like then it's you're waiting wasteland. for the draft. You're yeah. waiting for the draft, and it takes forever to get here. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I'm really not that excited about the draft other than maybe the first three guys off the board. And other than that, there's nothing for me to really get excited about in that in that aspect. And it's it's going to be a different off season for me for sure because my hero and my and my and my boy wonder that i love so much just up and retired without fucking warning and i'm still shell-shocked by that um and now you know all the erroneous uh media reports you know is getting out of control like they do with everything and anything so it's uh it's going to be a weird off season for me to say the least it will be and let's dig into the the tom brady saga a little bit we've recapped we recapped the season, we recapped the Super Bowl, we recapped the playoffs, but we'll come back and we'll take a little deep dive on Mr. Brady right after this. All right, so as you were starting to talk to before we took a little break, um, Tom Brady, uh, he's retired as of right now. He's got um, a movie that he's shooting about going to the Super Bowl the year that the uh, Patriots made the comeback against the Falcons, the 28-3 game. Um, do Do you think that Tom Brady is not going to be playing football next season? I, I do. You do? I, I, I... I do think that he's not. I, I think Tom, um, 
and he, he's very calculated in everything he does I mean it's just it's just it's just the truth of the matter and I think he respects his wife and his family enough to say you know what I accomplished enough and you know I've had the Buccaneers had a chance to stay together but Godwin's going to be gone Antonio Brown it was a mess obviously I think they probably could have reeled him in for one more year. He certainly has the talent to keep playing, and that's what's so disappointing from a fan's perspective. For me personally, it's like, dude, you should have been the MVP this year. You finished first in yardage, you first in touchdowns, you broke an NFL record of completions. Obviously, the man still has it, and they're still left in the tank. And coming from a guy who used to play a professional sport in golf and has injuries and can't play that sport anymore, once you can't play anymore and once it's over, you you just think about playing all the time. And I feel like, you know, Tom's going to reach a point where this decision he may regret because you don't ever get your youth back. Yep. Once your youth is gone, man, it's gone. Yep. And I don't care how old you are uh, out there listening. We're only 36 and we're still young. But I'm telling you, like, when it's over, man, it's over. And... That's a really hard thing for most athletes to handle. Yeah, and I mean, what was he? He was the leading uh, yardage-wise passer for the season. I mean, that's yeah. over five thousand yards, man. Yeah, fifty-four hundred yards. That's that's wild. You know, I, it's so. To, I I I think I personally think he will be back. I think that he. What I hope he doesn't do is I hope he doesn't go through this season. And then come back next season because I could see that potentially happening too. But well, the thing is, he could because because he, he's that gifted yes. and that dedicated to his body that he could do that. Yes, absolutely. But as far as this going into this next season, I personally think once he he it's the season gets closer and stuff, I kind of feel like there's a team out there that is set up for him to walk into, and I think. Uh, could lead another team to a Super Bowl, and I think that's the San Francisco 49ers. I really think that. I don't know if he wants to go near the Kyle Shanahan hex because that dude cannot keep a lead to save his life. But I mean, that team. You know, you talk about the Bucks. The Bucks are definitely not that team. Uh, they're not. They are going to struggle next year mightily. Um, I, I don't know. I just think it makes sense for the Niners. I mean, you know, I, so that's his hometown. He could go and get a Super Bowl for his hometown team. It's absolutely. I mean, if there's any debate about how him, he's the best quarterback of all time, I mean, to get a Super Bowl win for three separate teams with all the Super Bowls he had in New England, with all the different coaches, so there's no, you know, thing to tie him to Belichick or anything like that. I don't know. The dude's the most competitive dude in the world. He's got to have a little bit of that in his mind, thinking that. So I think that I, I think that as the summer comes, it, we get through the summer, we start hearing some rumblings. I think this movie thing and all that stuff is, you know, that's his misdirection, but I think eventually he's going to get the itch this summer and he'll be back with the Niners, because that's the team that is ready and waiting for him. Well, I can tell you this. It, this is a twofold thing. One, I hope you're right. There, there is no athlete on earth except for Tiger Woods that I enjoy watching more. I, he, he's not the most athletically gifted person in the world. Okay, you got me there. But I just love his play style. Mm-hmm. I just love how he dissects the defense, how he brings a team together, his leadership, his tenacity of uh, competitiveness I love. And... I would love nothing more to watch him come back and even play. I don't even care who he plays for. I just don't want it to end quite yet. I love the man to death. I love watching him play. I still feel like he's at the top of his game, and it's a shame to walk away because there's other players uh, throughout the history of this league that were forced to walk away mm-hmm. uh, at at a young age. I think of like Luke Keekley. Yep. You know, Luke Keekley and 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 um, Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Guys like this who had all the talent in the world and walked away. And I think it's a disservice to your life if you're this talented at something and you can still do it at the top, at top, top, top level. I mean, he should have won MVP this year. This is how how top level he is 
and to walk away, I think, is a disservice to himself. And I, I agree. coming from ex- coming from experience in that athletic field, there's not a day goes by that I don't want to be out there competing like I used to. And I think he has the potential to feel that way. I just know that he's such a grounded individual with family that you know that's a major factor. And Giselle chipping in his ear, you know, saying, you know, he did enough. What more do you have to prove? I don't want you to get hurt. You know, you've made it this far without a significant injury. Like, it's just call it a day and let's go chill in Costa Rica. Uh, and I think that's a, a, a real possibility. But to go back to your point of San Francisco, um, that would that would be really, really dope for him to go there. But he, from what I understand through the Brady rumblings out there is like he really hates San Francisco now because they didn't choose him. They chose Jimmy G over him. Mm. And he has that chip on his shoulder that he that he creates with everything. It's like Michael Jordan did the same thing in basketball. Even if he didn't have a chip on his shoulder, he would create a chip on his shoulder. So I don't I don't know. I'm up in the air about it. I will say this. I hope he comes back and plays. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back and played. I just think that he may be done because I think the family wants him home and he doesn't want to miss any more memories and they sacrificed enough for him. That's that's a very valid point too. Yeah, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what direction this offseason takes because obviously we're just starting into it and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stories and that oh, yeah. will definitely be one as we get closer to the, the uh, season even if he is actually coming back or not. Okay, so let's take a quick look. We're going to do a deep dive into a lot of NFL futures on our next episode. This is our wrap-up for the 2021-2022 season, but we're going to try and be coming back on a... We're going to do at least monthly touch touch points with everybody, and with we're going to do our next one with Keith. We're going to do a deep dive in all the NFL futures, so we're going to look for that in the coming months. But for right now, Drew, let's just take a little look at the odds for next season Super Bowl. I think that's something kind of fun to look at at this point before the draft, before any major trades and all that stuff to kind of see where these teams are and kind of see what your thoughts are on these. Um, the, the team that's favored next year is the Chiefs. I've got them at plus, plus 650. Um, to me, them being plus 650 and then the Bills being plus 700, the fact that the Bills don't get the nod, I kind of feel like is a – I definitely like the Bills more than the Chiefs next year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I thought that was going to be the case this year, and the Bills couldn't get over the hump. So um, they struggled early this season with losing the Pittsburgh game one. Yep. Um, so I, I have my reservations with, with that because I also don't know how many pieces they're going to be losing. With the Chiefs, we know they just lost the linebacker. They released him because of cap issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Eric Bieniemy is coming back, which mm-hmm. – it's unbelievable to me at this point he doesn't have offerings for a head coaching job um so that's really good for the Chiefs standpoint because he seems to really fit in there Matt Nagy is now going back to the Chiefs um and he seems to be a good fit for them so I I don't know how how wrong Vegas got this I don't really think they did uh because I just they're looking at it from the standpoint of the consistency uh, within the, t- the team framework and the Chiefs are going to have it again. Uh, and that AFC, we don't know where Baltimore... Baltimore has a bad taste in everybody's mouth this year because of all the injuries, but I think Baltimore is a team we need to look out for possibly next year um, because they were so unhealthy this year. Yeah. I mean, they really got the injury bug and it was really unfortunate. Had they have not, I think they could have been contenders in the playoffs this year. But it's let's be honest like besides maybe the chargers the bills um maybe the patriots next year uh and the bengals like those are the and because i don't i'm not feeling confident if the titans keep Tannehill that they're going to be back in the fold next year i agree Uh, i just don't know and the colts we don't know everybody's talking about trading carson wentz now and so we all know that this is a quarterback driven league and teams are only going to go as far as their quarterback so when we look at from that perspective we look at the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes wonderful we know that the Chargers have Justin Herbert wonderful Joe Burrow Cincinnati wonderful and Josh Allen 
uh, Buffalo, you have to think that all those guys are going to be uh, have good odds to get back to the Super Bowl uh, in the next previous year here. Yeah, well, I, I guess that's the reason why, I mean, I mean, maybe it's just because of the lack of respect for any NFC teams, but I think making the Chiefs the odds-on favorite at plus 650, I don't know, because I look at the AFC, I, I know I had talked uh, prior to the Super Bowl about the Bengals maybe being like a, a dynasty, potentially, but the more, I, the more I thought about that, even if they improve that offensive line and all their weapons, I mean, the AFC is going to be, it's going to be a fucking madhouse to get out of the next couple years because you do have the Chiefs you've got the Bills you've got the Bengals are the third highest favorite in the AFC to win the Super Bowl at plus 1200 then you've got the Titans at plus 2000 the Ravens at plus 2000 the Broncos at plus 2200 they're really betting on Aaron Rodgers going there and if he does A I think he's kind of nuts to go into the AFC but B you know I mean he makes that team that te- that's another team that's going to be a hard out and then the Patriots the Chargers with, uh, with uh, Herbert I mean there's a lot. There's a lot in the AFC. The the AFC is very strong, and the you know, especially if if uh, Rogers leaves Green Bay next year, for the sure. the NFC is a cakewalk for for the Rams. Honestly, if they if they can seize it by the balls, they could be they could be dominant in the NFC for a couple years to come if they can can hold some of the pieces together in this team. They're uh, plus one thousand to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, slightly above the Bengals, plus twelve hundred. The Niners, plus fourteen hundred. You know, that's. I think that's got to be a little bit of an assumption that Trey Lance is is going to be awesome, or Brady's going there. You know, so or they may keep Jimmy G. They we may. don't know they yet. May. Sure, we just don't know. The the problem is what like the Raiders are in this situation. Um, you know, uh, the Forty ers in this situation is just that there's not enough great quarterbacks to go around yep. there just isn't there there's there's the upper <laughs> they're all in the National afc right now right well that they are so it's just hard to predict at this moment what they're going to do but i think why the chiefs are so high right now with the odd makers is that they've been consistent yeah for true. four plus years that's true like and i think consistency does matter the the fact that you can show year in and year out with moving pieces but keeping your core together and continuously get deep into the playoffs, uh, I think that's what they're accounting for when they make these odds. Um, yeah. Yeah, the AFC is definitely, in my opinion, stronger mm-hmm. uh, than the AFC. The, the NFC is a complete shambles right now with cap cap space. I mean, the Saints are in cap hell. Uh, the Seahawks are a mess. And so, you know, there's just a lot of teams the Bucks that are, The have, Bucks are a mess. The Bucks are a mess because, like I said, it's a quarterback-driven league. Blaine Gabbert's not going to take you anywhere. I've seen this guy play. I'm telling you, like they're in for a long season, and Godwin's going to—he's bouncing out. There's no way Godwin's coming back to a Blaine Gabbert. No fucking way. No. Not when he can get—I don't know—16, 17 million dollars a year somewhere else. You know, there's a team that's sitting out there in the NFC that could fucking leap next year. You know who I'm going to say. The Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're going to lose Stephon Gilmore, I think. Oh yeah. But, but they have J.C. Horn. Um, they're plus yeah, eight thousand if they can get a quarterback. If they can find one. Yeah, it's right. If they can get a quarterback and Christian McCaffrey can fucking stay healthy. Yeah, that's a big piece too. I mean, if they tra- it is. if they trade him, if they were to trade him for uh, Deshaun Watson, would you would you think that they would improve them at all, or do you think that's just kind of a wash? I don't know how I feel about that right now. Yeah. Because we haven't seen Deshaun play in a whole year already. And what what the NFL has done to Deshaun, I'm not, you know, allegations or no allegations, the way they've handled his situation is absolutely horrible. Oh, yeah. Um, making him just be a practice player when he's not even found guilty or um, non-guilty at this point. And they're not even addressing it. Nothing's coming of it. They don't talk about it. They don't say nothing. They just keep them on that practice squad, and nobody knows what the hell is going on. And yeah. I, I think it's it, it's really awful what the NFL is doing to him um, in that regard. Uh, it, it, he may deserve a whole lot of other karmatic situations in life, but I I just don't feel like the NFL, who's had problems with their pro- players, especially this year, 
I, I don't think they handled that well. I agree. I agree with that. Um, looking at looking at the next season odds, uh, just like long shot wise for Super Bowl, there's one that kind of stood out to me, and I wanted to see what your thought is. Pittsburgh Steelers are plus six thousand. They're like in the bottom third as far as odds. Like you've got the Jets, Texans at plus twenty thousand, the Lions at plus fifteen thousand, the Jaguars at plus twelve five and the Giants at plus 10,000, but then you get up a little bit higher and you've got the Steelers at plus 6,000. The reason why I think that's somewhat enticing is because they do have a lot around that team. They've got some solid playmakers. They've got a really good defense and probably the, the best edge rusher in the NFL. If, you, if they end up with a quarterback, whether it be Wilson or anyone else that could potentially be moving around, what are your thoughts there as far as a long shot, you know, bet that could potentially pay off? I, I love that, but you're 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 betting on the on the hopes that they grab one of these quarterbacks. So I would imagine if they were, those odds would immediately not be as good. Yeah, I, I can concede that, that. That 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 would immediately. What are they? Plus ten thousand? You said plus uh plus six thousand. Plus six. That would go to like plus twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Yeah, because that team that team is going to be solid if they can get. They a are, and the coaching staff. I mean, they got a hell of a hell of a staff. And now they just got Flores, yep. which I'm a Flores believer. He's I a great a coach. He should have well. never been fired. I agree. Um, so, and he's gonna he's gonna do great for them. That that culture in in Pittsburgh is right up his alley. It's a shame that he has to take an assistant job, but it's a good fit for him. And it's a good fit for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I, I bet he uses that to springboard because I think after, well, it's going to be tough depending on how his lawsuit goes over the over the off season. If he wins his lawsuit, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see with that whole piece how perception of him is within the league because there's a potential that he could, he could, you know, kind of the story goes away at one point and he is hired as a, as a head coach somewhere or there's the potential that teams are going to look at him like it, you know it, it's it, it is the way it is but if you're suing your own employer you're they're not going to have a great uh, great taste in their mouth regardless uh, of you so like that's that's the stigma here with him going forward but at least he's in a in a NFL position and could potentially ride out the media attention for a while and then eventually be back in the running for a head coaching job. Because I like him as a head coach, too. I think he was great. I think the Dolphins are – that was a huge mistake that they made. And um, I think it's going to ultimately – it's karmically, it's, it's bad for them. And uh, organizationally, I don't think it's I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I personally feel like – I mean, it's it's a fair point, and a lot of people do think this that, you know, he is suing a team, uh, his past employer, and maybe his future employers are worried about that. But if you don't do anything wrong, if you're above board, you're not going to be worried about anybody suing you. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> because if, very if true. You do, very true. If you do things the right way, there's nothing to freaking worry about. Yeah, very true. I very 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 true. I'm just. I mean, I don't know Flores personally, but as an ex-Patriot coach and watching in Miami and hearing his players talk about him, he's a stand-up guy. Oh, absolutely. He's an, honor- absolutely. He's an honorable guy. He's a respected guy. Um, and he and he just wants to improve the game like most people do. Understood. And, and so if you're not doing anything wrong, you know, well, so, I don't see well, so, so the reason why I, I'm saying that I think it would be hard for him to get a, another NFL job, head coaching job isn't because of other teams feeling that they're going to get sued. It's just because they are within the NFL. So I'm saying that he's like all of these other teams will be affected if he wins a lawsuit against the NFL. Yeah. It's going to decrease the revenue and all that stuff. So that's the point that I'm getting. I'm not getting that another team's going to think, oh, well, we can't bring him in because he may sue us. I'm saying it more just in general. He's taking money out of owner's pockets, which is what is is going to be tough for him to overcome. Because when he's getting interviewed by any future team, the owner can say, this motherfucker cost me $20 million back in 2021. So that's that's where I'm coming from. 
That's yep, I see your point now. I, I, I feel confident that that's not going to happen because as Mr. Brady had said, after like two months ago or maybe a month ago, whole deflate gate thing came out and it was erroneous. The whole thing was fucking fake almost. Mm-hmm. And they asked Roger Goodell about it and he blew it off because obviously he was, you know, the cat got his tongue there. But as Mr. Brady said, Tom, you know, what happened with you and your situation? And he said, I went against 32 billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I don't think, you know, at, at this point for Flores, he's going to win either. When you're going up against 32 billionaires like that's just how everything in the world works unfortunately when you're the super wealthy elite they run everything mm-hmm. including the NFL and it's so hard to win a lawsuit like this because everybody is against you and they have the money the power and the and the connections to to, to manipulate the the outcome yeah absolutely like that that's definitely a good point too because um uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have, they have so many resources just continue to throw at a case that Flores won't, you know, he, he won't have that. He does not have the ability to do that. So, um, yeah, it's, it'll be, it's going to be an interesting case it, to your point. He probably won't win, which would, in, in reality would be better for his prospects of getting a, getting a future head coaching opportunity if he so wants it. But I, I think I don't even think he really cares about the money, which he proved by turning yes. down the severance with the Dolphins. I think he's more focused on bringing awareness to the issues. And I think if he, if he if we see change, like that's the problem right now, is we just had another NFL hiring cycle, and it's like we had one biracial co- coach hired, or no, there was a, a biracial coach and a uh, and one black coach hired. Now, granted, if you're looking at pure statistics. 10% of the population or something like that is African-American and you know the amount of African-American coaches in the NFL is commensurate to that uh, percentage. However, when you look at it at sheer number of black athletes in the NFL compared to the coaches, that's where the disparity comes and that's where I don't under... I, I'm beginning to feel like it's a... It, it, I don't usually jump to things being racist, uh, but this... It, see, something's weird that you have this many you know previous players that are african american that that are in supporting roles within teams coaching staffs and how many of yep. them are oh, consistently overlooked for retread white coaches that to me looks fishy there's no other way to put oh, the, it there's no other yeah, way to put it is, and we're talking about a biracial guy um, going to the dolphins okay he's biracial he's not even fully um, an African American, and then the other African American that they hired is Lovey Smith, who's been in the NFL forever. Yeah, so he's like, so it's not a young African American coach getting an opportunity; it's just a retread exactly. African American. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's um, it doesn't make sense, and it's 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 weird at this point to me that 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 because you've got so many African American players and so few. In so few coaches that are African American, and there's not and there's a so lack of African American coaching candidates to pull from yeah. either. So no, there is. There's not a lack of talent. Uh, I mean, look at Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, um, Eric Bieniemy. Like we can make a list forever of willing, good candidates to fill a role as a head coach that would really benefit your franchise, and yet these guys aren't getting hired. Yep. It, 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 it's, it's and the thing that's crazy, and which points to the connections within the NFL. You know, those the guys you just mentioned are offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators. You know, that's a higher up role within an organization, and they're losing out on opportunities to special teams assistant coaches. And uh, yeah. you know that that's the other part that's really weird is these obscure special teams coaches or fucking you know assistant to assistant coaches are beating these guys out who are holding a much higher level of uh, responsibility within a team that's the other thing that's really weird about it it's weird. yeah very weird and you know the only only guy that uh, seems to be consistently not on the chopping board is is Tomlin yeah you know, he's a black he's a black coach and he's obviously a great black coach too and he's but, a great coach you know, no qualifier he's a great coach right. period I, true I, I don't I don't like the 
I don't like the Steelers that much, but I respect the hell out of the Steelers because that team yeah. is always built the same way. Tomlin always has the same consistency as far as being aggressive. He has always shown being aggressive. He's always had the same philosophy, and it shows that his success and his commitment to his philosophy because he hasn't had losing seasons, and he's been with that team. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. I believe he is the longest tenured coach in the NFL. So, yeah, it's pretty wild, other than Belichick. (laughs) Whoopsies! Yeah. Kind of forgot about Belichick, but yeah. I old mean, Billy boy. Old Billy boy. But um, yeah, so it, it, that is still troubling to me, the NFL coaching hiring cycle. It's yeah, really weird. No doubt. And I don't know, I mean. At this point, I don't, I don't know, know what changes it. I, I don't. Bec- I don't know either. Because even well, a couple years ago, um, the Carolina Panthers owner sold the team off because of the comments that he made mm-hmm. about, you know, basically them being all inmates or slaves to him mm-hmm. and you got to think that there's other owners because they're all old billionaires they're all old as fuck yep you got to think that 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 thought process that they grew up with and everything doesn't just ingra- go away yeah it's you still ingrained think in that there's other, yep you know so it, it's unfortunate and I, I would love to see that part of the nfl changed Along with some of the rules too, especially like taunting and stuff. I, I yeah, can't some, stand. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I think that the hiring thing is going to change as, as owners change in the future. Eventually, there's going to be younger people that are people that were more diverse and open to things are going to be getting older at one point and having more money and being able to buy these teams from these rich people when they're all dead. So. That that's I think unfortunately at this point that's the that's the way I look at it because there are willing and capable coaches that are African American that consistently get overlooked and I don't know what changes that other than like like what is Eric Bieniemy going to do next year that he hasn't done the previous four years that he's interviewed what what's going right. to change you know nothing nothing's going to change <laughs> so he's not. It, it, they say, oh, yeah, well, he's going back again as an offensive coordinator. Like, what, what's he going to do that's going to ch- take him from he's a head coach he's a head coaching candidate this year, but he didn't get hired to next year? What, what's He's already got a Super Bowl his, under his belt. He's taken – the team has been to the Super Bowl multiple times with him as an offensive coordinator. So what more can the guy do that's going to change his credentials? Nothing. Exactly. And, and that's a fair point, and it's a great point because a lot of the coaching hires of white coaches, they're coming from offensive um, coordinator positions or defensive coordinators. It's no different than what he's been doing, and he's been doing it at a very, very high level. Look at Matt Nagy. Yep. Matt Nagy was a part of the Chiefs. Yep. He's back with the Chiefs now because it didn't work out as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hired him before they hired Eric Bieniemy. So. It's it, yeah. Until all that changes, you know, nothing's going to change, and that's um, it's really unfortunate. It is, it is at this point. It's just, um, and you know, to get off of that that subject and move on to you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but like the the uh, penalties and stuff. That is that to me makes me nervous about the longevity of the NFL because it's Absolutely. there's getting to a point if it like some of those ticky tack shit that they just keep enforcing and some of their inconsistency with their officials you know that's another thing that i don't see changing because what why would the nfl need to change it because people keep like this the viewers came back this season you know more they had more viewership this season than it has in the past couple seasons so people are still watching the nfl still cash cow and so what do they need to change any of these things for you know Exactly, and and that that's a really good point. And I'll I'll give like maybe a little example with this is that uh, I like to kayak bass fish, and we have local tournaments here on the Susquehanna River, and there's a local chapter that uh, puts these tournaments on. But the national chapters, um, who are throughout the whole United States, they have different rules than the local uh, rules. So the local rules are that you can't have a motorized kayak. So that keeps a lot of people out. Of these tournaments because motorized kayaks are a lot of fun because you can cover more water well it reminds me of this situation because I had a friend of mine saying that I was telling him that I need to get this specific kayak because the kayak I want 
is motorized and it's like already built into the kayak and I and I don't want to get that if I want to fish these tournaments and I just wish they would change the rule and he said to me he said you know how they how you get them to change the rule don't fish in their fishing tournaments mm-hmm. right yeah like that seems to only be uh, the way around everything is to hurt the bottom line if you don't like gas prices stop buying gas if we had everybody in the entire United States not buy gas for one day I guarantee you those gas prices would be <laughs> they'll be going down because that's just how that's how you affect change mm-hmm. is by not doing something and, uh, because it all comes around the bottom line and until people stop watching the NFL because of these rules these more erroneous new rules are going to be put in in place and that's kind of how we got to where we got to mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be hard to change that because if you look at the numbers from this past year there's some of the games that were most viewed in the history of the of the game, yep. Like the Bills Chiefs game, I heard was ridiculously watched, and so forth. So people are liking the product, but there's so much change that could happen to make this game so much better. And I wish more players who are not playing anymore could come in and affect that change because these people that are making these rules never played a game of football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that isn't, and that's the case for. All, a lot of rule makers is just that they haven't actually walked in their footsteps yet they're making the rules yep it, that that part of it will always be confusing to me it's it, it's ridiculous yeah it is well drew we have covered i think a lot more nfl topics than i thought that we were going to at the start of this and when we first started i was like man we're gonna have like a two ep- two minute episode but we ended up ma- dragging this one out to for an hour and it's been really fun talking nfl uh you know, this last season was, uh, as we said, it was weird. It was an interesting one, one to get get through. Um, we had had the um, consistency of getting on here every week. Sometimes, you know, we were two times a week, a long way through. I, I thanked you at the end of the NFL season, but I want to thank you again. You know, for you know for the sacrifices you made to be able to be on here for the audience that we have, which is uh, you know, as we talk about, not huge, but we appreciate every one of you listening. But um, yeah, so that, that's that's a great uh, great point, and I and I thank you for your acknowledgement of, of all that. It, but it's you know, it, it turned into an hour episode because I'm talking with one of my best friends, and we're just talking ball, and we love and we love ball. So yeah. it's not it's not that, that far outside the realm of possibilities for that it would go this long. But I want to give a shout out to um, a friend of mine who who really made my day. He came into the golf course that I worked out. His name is Kyle. I grew up with him. And he said to me, he's like, Drew, I've been listening to you all season long. I, I, you guys are my go-to podcast. I listen to you on my way up to the mountains. And I just want to tell him personally, thank you for saying something to me. It means a lot because we do get on here two times a week. We do have busy schedules. I work two jobs. We all work. Yep. Uh, we all have families. It is a little bit of a sacrifice, but we love doing it. But just having that acknowledgement from a listener uh, makes it all worthwhile and, and, and it makes it fun to do. So, Kyle, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for coming into the shop and telling me how much you appreciate the podcast and how much you like it. The feedback is wonderful. It made me feel very, very nice inside. And I just want to thank you. And I want to thank all the listeners who stayed with us all, all season long. Uh, we have been consistent. Sometimes it airs on a Friday, Saturday, whatever because um, of our schedule so thank you guys for sticking with us uh, when we don't have a, a, a set time every week that it comes out and you guys hang in there and you listen and you grab up the content we really appreciate it we really appreciate the interactions through our social media channels as well and we appreciate Keith our third wheel here yeah, man. who's been just a great addition to this podcast we thank him uh, for his sacrifices as well uh, I had to go through COVID this season, and so did Kevin, and it was just, uh, it was a lot of touch-and-go situations uh, that, you know, life pops up and it happens, and we just, uh, we appreciate everybody's hard work, and we appreciate everybody listening, um, because we do, really do try to put out a good product of, of content and speak from the heart and give you guys a fun listen, and uh, it just means a lot that you guys are listening. Yeah, it does, and it's, you know, I know Keith, I mean, he's got a couple buddies that listen religiously, you know, thank you to them, uh, this dude, 
I, I don't know who he is, but I know he's Keith's friend, uh, Seth Arthur, from our, our Twitter. He's always, you know, hitting us up on Twitter. He's always listening to our episodes, so it's awesome to see people that are friends with us, supporting us. And then there's other people that we don't even know that are listening. And to you guys, thank you so much for listening. You know, we, um, we've got a lot of changes coming for next season. We're going to be... You know, kind of going through the through uh, trying to, we're gonna up, be upgrading microphones. I have a little area in my house that I use as a podcast studio now, so we're uh, gonna be making it where Drew and I can record together, and hopefully get Keith over here as well to do some in-person pods. So we've got all that scheduled for next year. We're gonna be trying to do a lot, and we're gonna be, you know, we definitely plan on coming back next year at least once a week, or you know, twice a week, depends on how we end up doing it. But, um, you know, so we have that on the docket. We're going to be coming back intermittently throughout the offseason. We want to get together and talk about the draft as the draft comes closer. We're going to be talking about offseason moves. We're going to be doing, you know, our full season predictions and all that stuff as we go along here. So make sure to, you know, keep subscribed to us. We will be dropping content from here until the season. It's not going to be weekly as we've been doing, but we will be trying to make, you know, a point to get out there and, uh, release something at least monthly in the off season, and so we'll have a lot to cover. Um, we thank everybody who listened this year. You know, my buddy Ross, uh, thank you for listening all the time. The fact that you know he's a coworker of mine, and he takes the time to listen to us when he drives uh, into work, and he doesn't even. Uh, really watch football so the fact that he listens to us talk football is awesome so thank you Ross for listening thank you everybody who's taken the time this year to listen we look forward to next season breaking down all the games and until we talk to you next time we hope your team wins unless they're playing ours in March Madness I guess because we've got March Madness basketball coming up in a couple weeks and if you want to join a March Madness pool hit me up I'll hit you up with uh, the, the, in, the invites and uh, until then we will talk to you later. Peace out. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the First and 30 podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review. And share the episode with your friends. We appreciate everybody taking the time to listen.